Our text is in John, John chapter 15, the very end, and we're resuming a series that we started in May. So I'll read starting at John 15, verse 26, and read through 16, verse 4. But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. These things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things I have told you, that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence with us, just as you promised here. Uh, you were with your apostles and you left them for a time, but you are with us now forever. We thank you, Father, for this precious uh, truth. We ask you now to awaken our minds, awaken our hearts to a deeper love and knowledge of you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. There's a lot to focus on here and I, uh, need to f just pick a few things. So what I wanted to focus on in verse 26 was right in the middle of the verse. But when the helper comes whom I shall send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. The spirit of truth. The Gospel of John is unique. I think we talked about that at the beginning of the series and in addition at other times probably. But the others are called the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and so John is a little bit different. The word truth appears in the Gospels, those four books, 28 times, but 23 of the times is in the book of John. It starts with an emphasis on truth and it ends with an emphasis on truth, and truth is strewn throughout the whole, uh, the whole uh, text. And so I want to read the first one and that is at John 1.17, and you read there, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So it's an interesting contrast. We are very accustomed to contrasting law with grace. But what is meant by the contrast of law with truth? because it's included right in there. You could read it contrasting law with truth. Now, do you believe that it is truth as opposed to falsehood? That would be the simplest thing. But then that would be essentially saying that the law is false, that you're contrasting the falsity of the law with the, the truth of the gospel. But that's not it. And so what it means is truth in the sense that when the gospel comes, when Christ comes, comes the fullness of the gospel and really comes the fullness of the law. The law shields and hides and yet 
when the gospel comes, it's just all manifested. Christ is illumined in the scripture then. And so when it says uh, truth, what it means is that perfection. It's not contrasting it with falsehood. It's contrasting it with that under the law where it's somewhat hidden. And yet now in Christ is the truth and it's manifested for all to see. We know God is truth. And yet, Jesus refers to Satan as the father of lies. Again, a contrast of truth and a contrast of lies. God's word is truth. And Jesus later quotes from, I believe, Psalm 119, 160, where, he, uh, where the psalm refers to the entirety of God's word as truth. And Jesus later said that his word is truth, God's word is truth. Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy that the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. As I mentioned, Satan is called the father of lies. In Romans 1, in that beautiful start to the gospel, Paul describes the wicked as having exchanged the truth of God for a lie. John uh, John 18.37, Jesus will say, Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. He's speaking to Pilate at that moment. And what does Pilate say? He spits back at him. What is truth? Pilate couldn't care less what truth means because he knows life is all about power. It's not about having to be right. It's having to be powerful. But see, God values truth. God is all-powerful, and yet he values truth so much more than we realize. God is uh, desirous that we live in truth, honor the truth. Now, I want to take a moment now, before I go on and talk about any more verses, I want to take a moment and talk about where we are in the context of this whole series. We began at John 13, 1, and all of chapter 13, all of chapter 14, all of chapter 15 had kind of themes. The theme of chapter 13 was sacrifice. Jesus washed his disciples' feet, and then he dispatched Judas to go betray him. It was him sacrificing himself, sacrificing of his time in serving the others, and then sacrificing his life in saving the others. Chapter 14 was all about comfort. Jesus was comforting them knowing what was coming in a, just a few hours. He speaks of the Father, of himself, of the Spirit. He speaks of love and peace. All of that chapter is all about comforting his, his disciples. And then in chapter 15, he moves to admonishing them in the truth. He tells them to abide in me, abide in the vine, abide in love, and prepare for persecution. So he's admonishing them by that time about what is about to come and what they should do about it. And then he's transitioning now. And as we transition into chapter 16, he's transitioning to further predictions about what is coming, persecution. And it's going to be a long time. This is about 30 AD, 
they are going to be persecuted for decades. So the persecution is promised, and let me read these first four verses of chapter 16. These things I have spoken to you, that you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things I have told you that when the time comes you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. So he's comforting them again just prior to warning them of this persecution. And he says, such that you should not be made to stumble. So he's preparing them in advance for the persecution, severe persecution. He warns that some of them will be murdered. But he's warning them that they should not fail. There is that phrase, to be forewarned is to be forearmed, right? And so if you know what's coming, you really ought to prepare for what's coming. And he tells them, you will be put out of the church and you will be killed as heretics by the Romans and by the Jews, such that when the time comes, you will remember. As this is happening, you'll remember that I've told you beforehand. And see, in the fulfillment of prophecy is comfort, because you know then that God knew this before. So he's sharing that knowledge with you now, to, such that it'll pop into your head at a point in time in the future, and it will comfort you. So now I see parallels between the time that Jesus is living in, the time that he's warning his apostles of, and the time that we live in. We are at, I think, a similar time. If you look ahead 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years in this country, do you think that Christians will be any more embraced than they are right now? Because really we're kind of turning the corner into greater and greater persecution. The Constitution had protected all the citizens of the United States for a very long time, yet it is being cast aside. And so I urge you not to depend on that. You can appeal to, to our Constitution just as Paul appealed to Caesar, but yet that is not where your security is, and you ought to know because God is warning you, and I'm warning you, it's coming. They were entering a time where the whole world, their whole world was turning upside down. And he was comforting them that don't worry about it. So what if it happens? Your world ought not be based on this world. Your world ought be based on me and on the future that I have to unfold to you. So see, these lives of these men had already been upended. They'd been following him around for three years. These were young men. They'd given up whatever their uh, former ambitions were to follow Jesus. And now he's about to be taken from them. They will think that it's all coming to an end. And yet it's not. It's just a transition. The wicked reject truth. And that's why I believe he begins with that emphasis upon truth. We can be so mystified at times why we can't reach people who otherwise seem so intelligent with reason. Why can we allow these, these Muslim beer truck drivers 
to be exempted from that due to conscience sake and yet force these Christians that own a cake making place to make a cake that goes against their conscience. It's unfair. We all agree that it's unfair. And how is it that otherwise intelligent, rational people cannot see the unfairness of it? Because they suppress the truth in unrighteousness. They don't know Christ. So their perception and their definition of fairness is twisted. And so don't expect fairness from them. Don't be morally outraged and be so angry that you're fit to be tied. Yes, oppose them. Yes, stand up for your rights. I'm just urging you not to be surprised when this happens because we live in the midst of evil times. We live in the midst of a wicked generation who does not know the Lord. And yet, in order for us to reach these people, we have to live out our faith. We have to calmly oppose them as they seek to, in anger and, and passion, oppose us. It's not easy. You can't do it in your strength. You must rely upon the Holy Spirit. I'd like to close with reading Psalm 46.1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Father, we thank you for the promise that you are our refuge, that though we enter into battle, uh, you are there with us. Uh, though we are exposed to the darts of the enemy, you are there. Uh, you know if we are struck, you know if we need to be assisted off the battlefield, uh, you know exactly all of this that occurs because you've prophesied it, you've ordained it. So, Father, we pray that we would not look to the world for uh, rational actions when they are so adamantly opposed to the gospel of truth. But we pray, Lord, that you would work righteousness in this world, that you would have us to be courageous and to stand firmly uh, for the power of your word and the power of your Holy Spirit at work in this world, and that we would honor uh, Christ in all that we do. We thank you, Father. We thank you for having done this, and we pray that you would continue to do this and that you would grant us uh, strength in times of testing. And Lord, uh, these are ways in which you do it. The elements are before us. Uh, the word is entering into us. The Holy Spirit is prepared to guide us. We thank you, Father, for the fact that you are in us and all around us and carve the path out before us. In Christ's name we pray and give you thanks. Amen.